Hello, and welcome back to the Side Out Stronger podcast. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. My name is Coach Jordan. I'm a strength and conditioning specialist. And here on Side Out Stronger, we talk about everything volleyball. Now, that's that can be everything from on-court skills to training off-court to nutrition to dealing with injuries and pain. We talk about it all. So today, we have Kelsey Valentine, who's a pelvic floor physiotherapist, amongst other things. And uh, she's going to talk about playing and training around pregnancy. What should you do if you are pregnant, if you're expecting, if you're uh, just, uh, if you have just recently delivered, and all the factors that go into that. We dive into a lot of really, uh, let's call it nuanced topics here. So I really think that a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, guys. Um, today, as I said before, we have a very special guest. We have Kelsey Valentine, who is our resident, well, not resident anymore, but we'll talk about that later, um, pelvic floor physiotherapist. So, Kelsey, hi. Hi. So Thank glad you to for have having you. Me. Who are you? <laughs> who are you? What do you do? Wow, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so, yeah, my name is Kelsey Valentine. I am a pelvic health physiotherapist, like you said. Um, I uh, got into this, I guess, because I felt like women aren't told a lot about their bodies. And um, when I was learning about this, it was all news to me. So I figured if I can play a small role in helping more people learn more about their bodies and feeling more empowered and um, feeling like they can kind of take control of these problems that they're having and know that there is a solution for them other than just... um, you know, being stuck with it for life, then um, I thought I would get into that. So that along with, you know, me loving to work with um, baby moms and babies in that type of population, it's been a really good fit for me. And um, I can't see myself doing anything else. Awesome. And I have two questions that Mm -hmm. are going to amplify into hundreds. Um, (laughs) Do you specific, we're going to talk about pregnancy and pre and postnatal and stuff. Do you specifically work with only pregnant women or like women that have been pregnant or is that just kind of a part of what you do? Yeah, that's just a small part. Um, it is something that I see daily because pregnancy postpartum tend to be, um, one of the phases in our life where, where these pelvic floor issues tend to come up. Um, but it could be really anyone, any gender, any stage of life. Um, I would see a lot of people who, um, might have a lot of pelvic pain or pelvic pain conditions. So that could be endometriosis or um, interstitial cystitis, vulvodynia, vaginismus, all these big words. Um, But a lot of them are just different types of pain that you can experience in the pelvic area. Um, I see a lot of younger people who might have pain with intercourse. When I say young, like relatively young, um, old enough to consent to an exam. Yeah. We're um, safe here. It's, we're yeah, not we're promoting anything safe. weird. <laughs> um, and I certainly see a ton of people um, in that perimenopause, postmenopause time of their life. Um, that's a time where a lot of pelvic floor concerns come up. Um, it's when we see a big change in our hormones. So our estrogen levels um, sharply decline and estrogen is what gives our tissue its plumpness. Um, so a lot of times people struggle more with doing things that support their pelvic organs. Like they might have more, um, uh, we call it pelvic organ prolapse where those organs kind of descend downwards towards the vaginal opening and women might feel a heaviness or a pressure or a bulge sensation. Um, so that's pretty common when we have less plumpness of those tissues and less strength in them with age. 
Um, definitely bladder leakage issues is a huge thing that we see uh, in that population as well. So really any of the concerns can happen at any stage of life. There are certain times that we tend to see it more commonly, but um, pregnancy and postpartum is not the only time where I would see people. Perfect. So if you got yeah. issues, go see Kelsey. And we'll talk about how to get in contact with Kelsey later on. You got to <laughs> wait. You got to wait for the good stuff. And I mean, as Kelsey has alluded to, we're going to dive into very specific stuff um, and get this recommendation as, recommendation as practical as possible. So I'm excited. Um, the real reason I wanted um, to get you on, well, many, I know you know your stuff. Um, Kelsey was one of our TAs before, so we've had a lot of good exposure with Kelsey. But um, no, I get, we got questions when we put out the initial survey of what do people want to hear about? And this was one of the topics that was quite popular, actually. And from my selfish standpoint, we have a baby on the way. So very exciting. And I need answers. Someone I knew that, but the cat's out of the me. bag now, I guess. Yeah, well, this is probably going to come out in a couple of weeks. So probably most people know by then. And if they don't, surprise. Sorry, mom. This is where you're finding out. No, I'm just kidding. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so let's start with basics. I know we talked about this in the outline a little bit, but for those of you, for those of us that are unfamiliar or it's been a while, what is the pelvic floor? And like, what's it even do? Why should we care? A great question. <laughs> so we'll start with, yeah, 101 of what a pelvic floor is. Um, because I would say most people don't know that they have one or they haven't heard of one until it becomes a problem for them. Um, so basically your pelvic floor is just a group of muscles. Um, they sit inside of your pelvis. So if you can picture um, your pelvis is kind of like this butterfly shape, I guess, that's bones that sit kind of where your hips are. Um, so it goes from the base of your spine, the bottom of your spine, there's a bone called your sacrum, which is an upside down triangle. And you have these two big hip bones that attach onto that. And they kind of come around and connect at the front to where your pubic bone is and sitting at the base of that, almost like a bowl inside of there is that group of muscles called your pelvic floor. So these muscles have um, usually five main jobs that they're responsible for. Um, the first one being our continence. So continence is basically holding, holding in our pee, our gas, our poo, all of the things that we don't want to be leaking out of us at any given time. So when we do things like cough and laugh and sneeze and jump, um, maybe lift something heavy, these muscles should squeeze and lift. So they kind of tighten and close off towards your pubic bone. And what that does is help to block off the opening where your pee and your poo comes out of um, so that we don't leak those things. So that's one really important job that if those muscles are nice and strong and bulky, then they can do that. But also they need to be coordinated. They need to know the time timing of when to do that contraction. Um, for most of us, that's kind of automated. But sometimes when we go through these different phases of life, we have to kind of re-automate that by training the timing a little bit again. Um, the muscles also play a role in pelvic organ prolapse, which is what I was talking about earlier. So these muscles sit like a hammock or a sling underneath our pelvic organs. So that's our bladder, our uterus for women and our rectum. Um, so if those organs, um, the ligaments that tether them up and hold them above, if those have become strained over time, whether that's through childbirth or having a chronic cough or a an occupation where you do a lot of heavy lifting and you're not supporting with your pelvic floor, um, 
you know, lots of sneezing, maybe you have seasonal allergies, um, things like that, and, and age and time can cause those ligaments that hold up our pelvic organs to lengthen and weaken over time. So it's really important for a pelvic floor to provide support from the bottom. So like a hammock or a sling, they kind of lift those organs and make sure that they stay up where they should be, basically. Um, the pelvic floor also has a role in the stability around our pelvis. So, um, if those muscles are too tense, we can have pain. If they're too relaxed, then there can be lack of stability around those joints. Um, the muscles have a role in our sexual function. So they bring blood flow to the area, which can help with arousal. Um, and also the muscles act like a sump pump. So they help to pump our blood and help it circulate back up towards our heart. Um, and they also help to pump out, uh, lymphatic fluid back towards our lymph nodes. So lots of really important jobs that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy how much most people wouldn't even know what a pelvic floor is, let alone what it does yeah. when it does all these important things. And then with, with pregnancy, I guess, I know that was one of your questions, so maybe I'm skipping ahead, but, no, it's good, um, it's it's like a whole, it's a whole other realm where it becomes, it, it develops a new role, I guess. And I think a lot of people assume that when you're delivering a baby, um, that those muscles are what push out the baby, but in reality, they kind of just have to get out of the way. They have to go through a really big stretch, um, and they have to be able to lengthen really far. Otherwise, if they don't lengthen, then we have bigger tears. Um, and and so our uterus does most of the pushing. So strong contractions from the uterus, our core might help out a little bit, but our pelvic floor just has to lengthen and get out of the way, which is a bit of a misnomer. A lot of people think that those, those muscles do the pushing. Um, and, and during pregnancy, I mean, we've got not only the weight of our pelvic organs, but also like a growing human inside. Um, so with all the weight that comes along with that and all the um, the baby and the extra water weight and the placenta and all of that. It's just more that our pelvic floor has to have that supportive role. Otherwise we feel a whole lot of heaviness during our pregnancy. Gotcha. Yeah. So my job today is to figure out the questions I want to ask. And that sounds silly, but there are so many things that we could explore. Obviously Kelsey just went on a perfect tangent that sets up everything else really nicely. And I want to make sure that we get to the questions that are in there. So mm-hmm. I'm here to rein it in. It's perfect. So we've talked about what the pelvic floor is, what it does during pregnancy, and obviously today's topic, and we're going to have you back just to be clear, talk about a bunch <laughs> of stuff. But today's topic is how, what kind of things should I be considering if I'm pregnant around training, around volleyball, and then we'll get into after delivery. Uh, what that looks like from a return to play standpoint. So now that we have this idea of what the pelvic floor is and how it plays, um, let's let's dive into some details. Yeah. So it, correct me if I'm wrong here. To me, it's easiest to kind of go along this chronologically. So yeah. pre-delivery leading up to, and we could talk about specific trimesters and all that kind of stuff. But let's just start with this question because it's been so contentious, it seems over the years. Should People exercise when they're pregnant. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Moving on. Done. Bye. Yeah, that's all you need to know. Yes. No. Um, exercise is so important. It's not only should you. It's it's you need to. Like, um, it's so important during pregnancy for a number of reasons. Um, it can offer a huge benefit in terms of reducing your risk of gestational diabetes and preeclampsia, um, which can make for more risky deliveries, sometimes can lead to cesarean section, that sort of thing. 
Um, so it can reduce your risk of uh, those by about 40%. So that's pretty huge. That makes a, a big difference. Um, also can reduce your risk of a C-section by a little bit as well. Uh, I think around 30%. Um, we have an idea on why that happens? I think part of it is the preeclampsia and the gestational diabetes. Um, uh, exercising during pregnancy also helps to reduce the length of your labor. Like it can result in shorter labors, which I think would have a role in potentially re reducing C-section rates because, um, you know, if someone is laboring or pushing for three or more hours, they might be more likely to be offered a, a C-section. Yeah. I've heard um, that there's almost, is it, I've heard the 24 hour cutoff in terms of like, that's when they really start to consider if you've been in some level of labor for 24 hours, but uh, that may yeah, be a, I think more it depends. Like I've definitely had lots of patients who have been in labor for longer than 24 hours, sure. but they might have to um, do like different induction strategies, that sort of thing. Um, but definitely the pushing is like, we, we don't want people to be pushing for hours on end. Yeah. Um, no one wants to be pushing for that long. So, um, yeah, um, exercising during your pregnancy can be beneficial for your mental health. Um, so it can help reduce your, the rates of anxiety and depression, um, stress even, which can be stressful time for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, a lot of those benefits get passed on to the baby too. Like a lot of the benefits of exercising and all of those normal health benefits that we have um, can be beneficial for you pass on your little genes to your baby and then your baby's healthier when it comes out. So um, lots of, lots of perks um, among just like some of the regular ones that most people know of, but specifically in pregnancy, it seems to be extra helpful. Yeah. That that was, I think it was like Spencer Nadolsky or something. And he posted something about that <clears throat> anyways. And it was talking about how the, the gene structure of the child is like directly influenced on or by what you do during the pregnancy to some mm -hmm. degree. And that was just wild to me. Yeah. We passed it all on to the little fetus in yeah. there. So yeah. Turns it's out it's, cool. a, it's an important nine month window. <laughs> scary, yeah. Not to scare. Like if you're going through a pregnancy and you're having a rough time and it's hard to fit in exercise because you're vomiting every day, I get it. It's okay. <laughs> Do what you can, but um, just, yeah, I think knowing those, those benefits can be empowering for some people who were worried about exercise. Cause I still hear that all the time from patients that they didn't exercise because they were told that they shouldn't, or that they were worried that it would harm the baby or lead to a miscarriage. And there's no risk of that. So that's good. Yeah. Maybe we can just dive into that. Just really nail the, or hammer the, hammer the nail on the head. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, um, so let's just go through those specifically. So does, does exercise in general, um, increase the risk of miscarriage? No. Yeah. No. And maybe we can dive into that heavier, heavier. I say heavier because does heavy lifting do, what, what do we know about heavy lifting for somebody that say, let's take the extreme end and say you're a volleyball athlete, mm -hmm. but you also do powerlifting on the side. Yep. Um, just to kind of define our edges here, what kind of risks are, what kind of risk do people talk about and are those real or are they worth being considered? Yeah, I think, I think the reason, um, women have been told all of these things like to avoid this, avoid that, blah, 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 is because 
uh, pregnant women are, are really almost impossible to do research studies on. It's really hard to do that. A lot of the evidence that we have on things is more just like looking at what people have done in, in the past and seeing if it worked out for them okay. Um, because you can't really do a quality controlled study, like a randomized controlled trial with a pregnant woman. You can't force one pregnant woman to do heavy lifting when we don't know what goes on with that and then have one person force them not to do that because maybe that's not beneficial. And so no one's really getting the best, like it's not, it's not a safe thing to, especially for something like, like obviously heavy lifting is not the thing that we would need to be talking about, but like if they're going to do like a cancer treatment on someone or like, I don't know, like all of those things, like you can't just be like, Oh, let's just try it on the pregnant person and see what happens. Right. So that's why we don't have, we don't, there's a lot of unknowns with pregnancy of what people can and can't do because we can't research it very easily. With that said, um, I don't think heavy lifting falls into that category. Um, I think that some people who tend to err on the more conservative side would say that because I don't think we actually have in our hands, like good research that shows that it is safe, but we also don't have research that shows it's not safe. So, um, I would say, and actually we're getting a lot more research that is showing that it is safe too. So I would say that's definitely coming down the pipeline and um, there's some some newer studies coming out along those lines. What I will say is that um, exercise is really beneficial. The term heavy is relative, right? That's the, so that's the fun part. Yeah. So I think if, you know, you have been lifting heavy weights all of your life, um, then that's not a problem if you have never picked up a weight and you try to lift 200 pounds during your pregnancy, probably that's not the best call, but I think that wouldn't be the best call regardless of if you were pregnant or not. So it doesn't seem to matter too much with the actual pregnancy for that. Um, I would say to anyone who wants to lift weights to definitely do that. Cause there's a lot of specific benefits for weightlifting in general. Um, and specifically in pregnancy, that's going to only be more beneficial. Having more muscle mass is more beneficial. Um, like all of, all of it is good. It can help to prevent back pain. Um, so I would encourage anyone who's, who's pregnant to lift weights. Absolutely. When you say heavy weights, I would say, do you, do you need to PR during your pregnancy? Uh, I don't know. Like I don't think if that's really your goal, then there's probably a way to do that safely. If you're training appropriately and you know, you're, you're very gradually increasing your weights and that sort of thing. Um, but I would say, yeah, keep, keep doing it. If you enjoy doing it and if it's your way of exercising, then I would say definitely do it. I would say there's probably a point in your pregnancy where you're going to have to slowly taper down, um, just because you might start to, not feel like it feels so good anymore. Um, because you're just already carrying an extra, you know, 30 pounds in your belly. So, um, I would say things to look out the reasons that people might tell you not to do it, um, are things like bladder leakage. So if you are peeing, when you lift something heavy, then that's probably a sign that your pelvic floor isn't very tolerant of the load that you're asking of it. Um, so that might be a sign that you need to either back down or strengthen your pelvic floor. Um, things like, um, like if you're bleeding when you are lifting heavy, certainly don't continue to push through that. Um, if you were feeling like you're going to pass out or something, don't do that. Um, or if you're feeling like nauseous or ill or green in the face or anything like that, if your blood pressure's 
either skyrocketing or getting really low, those are things to be careful of um, and maybe things to monitor. Um, we know that your, your blood pressure can transiently like increase quite a bit when we lift heavy things. So um, if you have preeclampsia or something like that, you might have to be a little bit more careful, like high blood pressure. Don't want it to be going too high, but for the most part, most people should be able to do it just fine. Um, and I think the other thing that people have a lot of questions about, which I know you wanted to get into a little bit more is diastasis recti. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is when your abdominal muscles, so like your six pack muscles have to widen a little bit to make space for your baby as it grows, um, which is a totally normal process during pregnancy. Those muscles are supposed to widen to make room. Um, so what happens when those widen is that the tissue that connects the two, the two halves of your six pack muscles, it will just thin a little bit to, to lengthen. So if you can imagine silly putty getting kind of stretched out, when that silly putty gets stretched out, it becomes a bit more thin. Um, and that's normal. If, if you are constantly putting pressure on that thin tissue it might have a bit of a harder time healing. We don't have evidence on whether heavy lifting during pregnancy causes diastasis recti. And I personally think having a strong core is important, but there are ways to do it. I think that uh, are better than others in terms of not putting too much excessive pressure on that, that thin tissue. So things, signs that you're putting too much pressure on that thin tissue would be if those, those ab, your abdomen is kind of coming to a point. So we call it doming or coning or tenting. So you might find if you do a crunch that your abdomen kind of points up in the middle, or it looks like maybe a hot dog kind of poking up out of your belly. Um, so that might be a sign that again, you're just not managing pressure properly in your core. There's a way to change that. Um, engaging certain muscles can help reduce that doming for some people. Um, but at some point for some people, you can't, you can't control it anymore. And you just might have to, um, wind down on the weight a little bit or whatever activity you're doing, whether it's sit-ups or crunches or toes to bar or whatever, you just might have to kind of scale back a little bit as time goes on. Building off what you were saying before, one of the narratives that I've heard, um, which has its own little mini story, is that things like, say, deadlifts create a lot of pressure on the uterus and the surrounding structures, so you should probably avoid those. Mm. To which my immediate thing was, it wasn't even that they said deadlifts. They said those dead things where you pick up the thing, and that was a red flag. Um, but <laughs> uh, my question becomes things like, well, how do you pick stuff up off the ground? And what if you have a toddler at home and yeah. you're lifting them off the ground? Like we're so, not as fragile as people think. <laughs> yeah. So what, I guess, what would you say to that? Um, if that's advice that somebody has gotten before? Yeah, I would say, um, continue to do your deadlifts. I would say, um, there may be some point where you, like, you feel like the, there's a lot of pressure and it feels uncomfortable for you. And if that's the case, um, or like, you might feel like, so as you bend forward, it's putting a lot of pressure on your uterus and you feel a lot of like heaviness, uh, vaginal pressure. You feel a bulge down there. Those are sensations that we don't need to push through. So if that's the case, I usually tell people to just like raise their, um, raise their deadlift a little bit. So do it from a riser or something like that so that they don't have to bend down quite so low. Um, but 
uh, or do you switch to like a Romanian deadlift or something along those lines? Like there's a lot of ways we can modify it to make it more comfortable. Um, but like I said, like you're going to bend for, like you would know inherently if you were doing something that could harm your baby. Like there's no way that just bending forwards, especially with like a nice straight spine and good form is going to put any excessive pressure on your baby that would be harmful. Yeah. Love it. All good. <laughs> Batteries are dying. Um, <laughs> cool. So that was excellent. First of all, um, what I'd like to go into now is during your pregnancy, um, what the guidelines and what the recommendations are about playing volleyball, because as much as I like to think that our people all train and we're all talking about training, it's great. Um, the, the first question they usually get, or I've heard, and I'd like to know is how long are my okay to play for? What are the signs I should be stopping? Is it dangerous for me to play? Um, those kind of things. Yeah. So, um, I, and I guess this would go with any sport. So the only things that are unsafe in terms of exercise, um, during pregnancy are things that could like cause harm to, so for example, like if you were to get like punched in your belly really hard, like no one would ever do that to a pregnant person. Cause that's probably not the best thing for a pregnant person to experience. Um, so with something like volleyball, like just being aware of those big serves and protecting yourself against, you know, like a big hard hit to the gut, um, that sort of thing. Do we know that it could cause anything bad for the baby? Uh, No, I don't know that. Um, but just something to be mindful of is anything like too much contact, I guess, is not, the best thing. Yeah, um, my mind goes off. to like diving on your stomach would be one of yeah. the examples. Yeah. We, yeah. And we definitely, yeah, that's probably something that's again, not going to be the best thing, but there's a point in your pregnancy where that's probably fine. You know, like if you can still lie on your belly, is it the worst thing in the world? Probably not. Is it like, it depends on the velocity of your dive, I guess, too. Like, are you just slamming your body into the floor or are you just like kind of gently reaching down and like, I think it just, it's hard to say one way or the other. And again, we have no research on this for sure. So it's hard to say one way or the other. I think most women can use their judgment appropriately and know what feels safe in their body um, without, you know, putting any undue risk to their baby. I think most people are pretty intuitive that way. Um, So I would say, yes, you can play volleyball while you're pregnant. Uh, You may make need to make some different considerations for yourself during that time, especially as you become more, more and more pregnant. Um, and, but is it something that's good for you? Yes. It's healthy. It's, you know, it's good to keep your body moving, especially in ways that you enjoy and that you have, you know, that social time and you get to see your friends and you're in a team environment, all of the, those benefits, I think outweigh a lot of the risks, but just being careful and yeah, trying turn away. Don't, don't, take one for the team in those (laughs) moments and like dive for something that you shouldn't be diving for. And if a ball is coming right for your belly turn, like lose the point that time. Like, I don't know. It's just be a bit practical, but, um, things like we, we tell people not to like scuba dive while they're pregnant. And we tell them not to like, maybe be careful with downhill skiing. If you're novice and you're more likely to fall and that sort of thing, like big Mm -hmm. falls like that can be like cause some trauma to the 
we don't want the like placenta to rip off of the the wall of the uterus and we don't want like those types of considerations things that can cause actual trauma are things we want to look out for so being more cognizant and careful of those things is important uh, still staying vigilant but not letting the fears take over your life at the same time yeah and just to cover all our bases so things like just jumping that's that's okay as long as we're kind of in that intuitive intuitively safe environment yeah and i think like that's another thing where your symptoms are going to be your your marker for when you might want to change that so you might get to a point in your pregnancy where every time you jump you pee or you might get to a point where you feel like a lot of pressure and heaviness or it just feels like awful on your belly to jump um so you don't have to keep jumping um if you feel fine doing it, you're in your first, first, second trimester and it feels good, then sure, that's fine. Um, it might be helpful to know how to use your pelvic floor to provide support from underneath so you can protect those pelvic organs, prevent them from descending too far with things like jumping um, so that you lessen your risk of pelvic organ prolapse and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, just using your symptoms as your guide, I think is the best advice. Great segue there. And I just put it in the, for those of you curious, I, I sent uh, the outline and it just says dot, dot, dot Kegels. <laughs> and it's, it's my prompt to say, okay, well, what other exercises we should be doing? Um, what is it a preventative standpoint or is it something that we incorporate as symptoms come up? Maybe you can just speak to that kind of, we can go wherever you'd like. Yeah. I think the pendulum has kind of swung on this one where it used to be, I feel like that no one was told anything about their pelvic health. And now that people are talking about it, it's kind of like do hundreds of Kegels a day. And um, like, that's all you should pay attention to. And you should only do Kegels. And I feel like there's somewhere in between that's kind of a nice middle ground. So just in terms of the evidence, um, pelvic floor muscle training, which is what a lot of people colloquially know as Kegels. Um, but it would be not only the squeezing and lifting of your muscles, but also the relaxation is a big component of that too. So inhaling and lengthening the muscles, exhaling, squeezing, and lifting is kind of what I am talking about when I mean pelvic floor muscle training. And that's one component of it, but I won't get too much into it. Um, there is good evidence for that in terms of reducing your risk of what we call stress urinary incontinence. So that's peeing when you cough, sneeze, laugh, jump, that sort of thing. Um, so that can be preventative both in your pregnancy and up to six months postpartum. So there's a lot of benefit to training these muscles during your pregnancy. I would say three sets of 10 um, minimum four times a week is probably a good, good starting point for that. But the important thing is to know what your body actually needs. And a lot of people have tension in those muscles. And so they're trying to tighten an already tense muscle when really they should be learning to release those muscles before they strengthen them. Sure. So I would say if you're unsure at all, I would try to get an assessment with a pelvic health physio just to make sure that you know exactly what you're not, your body needs. Um, because having that pelvic floor that can relax is is arguably a bit more important during your labor um, because it needs to relax in order to birth your baby. So you don't want to just keep tightening and tightening and tightening a muscle and not ever learning how to lengthen the muscle as well. 
Yeah. Cause you were um, saying during pregnancy though, those muscles just kind of get out of the way more than anything, yeah. right? So if we're not yeah. able to loosen them, then it's going to be a problem. They need to be able to stretch and elongate and lengthen too. So the it's strength is not the only important thing with our pelvic floor. It's like walking around with a bicep that's like constantly contracted. Like that's not functional and it's not health. That's not healthy tissue either. Right. So, um, I think that's something to keep in mind. Pelvic floor muscle training has also been shown to help with your labor in terms of reducing your length of labor and that sort of thing. So there are definitely a lot of benefits to training those muscles among just like the regular benefits of any population. And we want all of our muscles to be fit and strong. Um, and this is just another group of muscles that we want to keep trained and fit and strong. Um, but like I said, at the same time, we also, a part of having a fit muscle is one that's flexible and that can stretch. And so these muscles are no different. Yeah. Strength and length. Exactly. Um, so yeah, to summarize, I guess, Yes, I think Kegels are an important part of pregnancy, and I think it's something that everyone probably could benefit from. Um, but in some people, they might have to first learn how to lengthen before they strengthen the muscle. Perfect. Love yeah. it. Um, that concluded my group of questions of what to do during pregnancy. Is there anything else that we missed that is on the top of your head for that portion? Um, that's a good question. You did a good job. So, I mean... I guess just in terms of, uh, we talked about exercise, but we didn't really say what the exercise guidelines say about mm. how often we should exercise. So, um, 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity exercise is recommended right now during pregnancy, um, in, and incorporating two days two a minimum two days a week of full body strengthening. Um, so 150 minutes could be once a week of 150 minutes, it could be 30 minutes a day. Like you can kind of break that up however you would like mm -hmm. a minimum dose of exercise at one point should be 10 minutes. So if you're going less than that, then it's probably not counting much towards exercise. Um, walking is something that can help. If you love running, you can run again, same as anything else. It might be something that you have to kind of scale back with time as you start to get uncomfortable. Um, but I've had patients who've run all the way through. Um, you can swim, you can play sports, you can, you can do it. You can do anything. <laughs> um, just nothing that's going to put a lot of contact on the baby. Um, and yeah, having good flexibility in general is, is helpful too. So maybe doing some stretching, some yoga, that sort of stuff, helping to helping to kind of wind down your nervous system and get you into that parasympathetic is really important too, especially when people have a lot of stress or anxiety. Um, that's not always helpful for our labor. COVID. Kind of <laughs> COVID, big time. Um, so kind of learning how to wind down and relax um, exercise can be helpful for that and can be helpful for your labors for that reason too. Perfect. And I think we touched on this, but I really want to drive it home. If you haven't exercised before or done a formal routine, is this a good time to start? Yes, Wonderful. it actually is. Yes. So yeah, I think a bit of a myth and I still hear this daily um, at work is people think that if you've never been an exerciser, you shouldn't start pregnancy or you sh shouldn't start exercising during pregnancy. Um, but that is a myth. So, um, it, the newest exercise guidelines say that in pregnant people, um, now is as good a time as any, and you'll still get some of the benefit. You'll still get a lot of the benefits of exercise. If you start keeping in mind that you want to start gradually. So if you've never exercised before, 
Don't just go run 10 K out of the blue, maybe ease into it so that you don't get injured. Um, but that would, I would say that to anyone who wasn't pregnant too. So yeah. Yeah. Easing in, but starting now, starting whenever you can at any point in your life, but pregnancy is a perfect time to start too. It's amazing how um, secured in that those narratives are. Whenever somebody's pregnant, they're like, and the, the kitty goes up and lifts a box and they're like, be careful, oh, yeah. uh, everyone around them. And it's, it's, it's amazing. I had a patient last week whose doctor told her not to start exercising during her uh, pregnancy. And then I'm, I'm fighting again. Like I'm, yeah. I'm my voice doesn't always weigh as high, unfortunately, as the doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if I'm like, well, actually, that's actually not the case anymore, then I, I just look stupid, even though I'm the one yeah. who's on top of it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's must be immensely frustrating for you, because you know, probably a lot more than the doctors do when it comes to this. Stuff. Um, and just about where you spend the most of your time, right? And I spend yeah. a lot of my time in the realm of pregnancy and exercise. So yeah. safe to say I'm pretty on top of it. But Totally. Yeah. And it, we get the same stuff. Yeah. We get this, a similar problem, let's say with just being coaches, right? Most doctors hear the word deadlift and they think, oh my God, you're going to break your back. That's terrible for your back. It's got dead in the name. Are you crazy? <laughs> and I'm over here like it's, it's bending over, picking stuff up and yeah, uh, it turns so out fun. strength is helpful. Yeah. Anywho, um, that's, that's my rant for today. <laughs> okay. So um one thing that we did actually didn't put in the outline was during delivery. And this might be a whole podcast on its own. Um, and maybe we just kind of leave that for later uh, and skip to the after pregnancy spot. Are you okay with that? Yeah. But okay. yeah, I feel like that could totally be its own podcast. <laughs> Keep an eye on the whole folks. course. Like we, we teach a yeah. whole course on it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Okay. So I've delivered my baby, beautiful baby. Everything's happy. It's wonderful. Um, when can I play volleyball? <laughs> Good question. Um, so what I think happens now um, for most people is that they are told not to exercise for six weeks. They go to an appointment with their doctor. What happens normally, I think, is that what the doctors end up having time for is they do a little assessment of the baby. They ask you how your mental health is, maybe, if you're lucky. And say, yep, you're cleared for sex and exercise. And they don't really often, the good ones do, um, but they don't always do an internal exam um, unless you actually have symptoms or issues going on. And so they don't really know, I guess they're not using anything to inform their decision of whether or not you're cleared to return to exercise. It's just like this blanket statement that everyone seems to be ready at six weeks because those are general healing timelines but not everyone heals at the same rate. And I just don't think it's right to be like a hundred percent of you should be like to just tell every single person that comes into your office. Yes. You're cleared without using anything to back up that decision. Um, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Just because like statistically six weeks is the time when many people may or may not be ready. doesn't mean that you're not an outlier or just a standard yeah. person at the seven week mark, eight week mark or whatever it is. Yeah, totally. And some people might totally have had like a really smooth delivery. Um, they had a really easy vaginal delivery. They didn't tear. Um, they felt really good right away. They're not having any symptoms at all. They might be ready for stuff before then. And so what my approach generally is, is 
to start very small and gradual way earlier than six weeks. So you can kind of build up a foundation and then depending on your symptoms and what you're experiencing and that sort of thing, slowly layering in more and more and more. So early on, I might have like the first day postpartum, I might have someone working on just some breathing exercises, connecting to their core a little bit, um, maybe like tightening their tummy muscles, their TA muscles. So drawing their belly button towards their spine or kind of like gently bracing those muscles, doing some pelvic floor activation, seeing if they can connect their mind to those muscles after it's gone through that big stretch and potentially a trauma. So those are things you can start really early, really early on. Um, And then layering in those foundations with more gradually um, or gradually adding more to that. So once you connect to your core and your pelvic floor, you can layer in like a little bridge or you could layer in a bird dog exercise um, where you're on all fours and you lift opposite hand, opposite knee. Um, you know, you, you do your core breath so that inhale, belly relaxes, pelvic floor relaxes, exhale, uh, belly tightens, pelvic floor tightens and do like a seated strict press or something, you know, like breathing through those exercises. I think these are things you can start earlier, um, maybe starting with some body weight stuff and then building up to more. I don't think those are things that have to wait necessarily to six weeks if you're feeling good. Um, But also on the other hand, like if you are feeling not so good, don't feel like you have to start at six weeks, like respect your body and where you're at and don't push through symptoms of heaviness or bladder leakage or, um, you know, if you're still bleeding or you have pain, like don't just push through those and listen to what your body is telling you. Cause it's telling you, it might not be totally ready yet and focus more on the foundational things before you just jump right into it. What I, what I ultimately think is that it shouldn't be going from zero to a hundred with your exercise. Like, it's not like you should not exercise for six weeks and then be like, yeah, I'm ready for volleyball. Cause my doctor cleared me for exercise. It's like, okay, you can slowly start on those breathing exercises, maybe some basic things around the six week mark. Say you get cleared, you're feeling pretty good. Start doing some more strengthening exercise um, and slowly building up till your body is feeling a little bit better. And then you can kind of ease yourself back into um, the drills as you feel ready for it. Um, Things like high impact, like jumping, running, that sort of thing. Um, Expert opinion, seems to suggest to wait three months to return to that just to ensure fully full tissue healing, I guess. Um, and even then when you do return to those things, if you're wanting to return to running, jumping, don't just do a hundred jumps or a 10 K run the first day, like slowly build up, maybe do a, a run to walk program, that sort of thing. Maybe get your, conditioning in other ways up until then, because it's still important. So biking or walking, that sort of thing, um, for your cardiovascular health. Um, so (laughs) that is my long-winded way of saying, um, yes, you can get back into volleyball at six weeks. Um, you don't have to, if you don't feel ready, um, you can, volleyball is not just like one dimensional and that you could, practice some drills. Like you could take a volleyball and sit in a chair and practice some volleys, or you could, um, if you're not feeling great, or you can practice, you know, some serving and that sort of thing. Um, and then ease back into like a full game. Um, so 
yeah, that is my very long and kind of vague answer of like, it depends, but um, hopefully that gives a little guidance on how to get there. Anytime I hear anybody say it depends, all I can think is grant. Depends. Depends. <laughs> it always and depends. It always depends. No, it's going back to what you're saying about the early pregnant or the early exercise stuff. I always kind of chuckle to myself because people that are very rigid around, you can't do anything before six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and those doctors say that, and then they watch this mother pick up the baby from the ground mm-hmm. and bring them over. And I'm like, you just did a deadlift, yeah. which you've been doing for the last four weeks. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't understand how that disconnect is not recognized more. Or you get, you know, these like rigid guidelines of like, don't pick up anything more than 10 pounds or something. And it's like, so or anything baby. heavier than your baby. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but like, sometimes you have a toddler at home too. Yeah. And like, how do you not touch your toddler for six weeks? Like yeah. I, yeah. I respect, like if there's been a cesarean section or something, um, like I do respect following those, those outlines that they recommend. Mm-hmm. I get that a lot of them are hard to do and probably not always realistic, but I get the risk of not wanting to like reopen scar tissue, both from the pelvic floor and the core. Like if you have had a major abdominal surgery and you pop open a stitch and you get an infection, that's going to be really crappy. Um, so there is a certain amount of respect that we have to just like respect the healing process and those timelines. But at the same time, life is real and like yeah. you got to do certain things to actually live your life. Yeah. It's to me, a, a lot of it's just don't do a lot of things after a surgery as, as a general guidance. Right. And then the pregnancy goes along with that. It's just it's an interesting mix. Okay. We covered a lot of stuff. Holy geez. Um, it, same, same questions before. Is there anything else in the post or post delivery phase that, we'd like to talk about. We talked about like diastasis recti and all that stuff. How long should I wait? Um, and then scaling it back slowly. Um, I think with diastasis recti, like there's, it's a bit of a different ballgame postpartum. Um, I think you still want to be watching out for the same things, but I think a lot of times it gets missed postpartum because a lot of people don't get the doming and coning postpartum. A lot of people get like, um, like, So when you're feeling your abdominal wall and you're putting some pressure, like maybe around your belly button, and then you go to like lift your head and crunch up, it might not dome or cone, like it might not come to that point, but you might feel like your, your fingers like slip by your six pack muscles. It can almost feel like putting your fingers like in a bowl of soup, basically like a thick soup. Like it feels like you can feel deep inside your organs, basically. If the if the tissues haven't healed yet or haven't like firmed up and strengthened yet. So I think a lot of like misnomer or again, another like thing that people hear all the time is if you have diastasis, don't do core exercises. Um, but core exercise is kind of the only way to firm up and strengthen that tissue. So I think that's a really important part of the rehab pro like postpartum rehab guidelines is to kind of build back your core strength and develop a bit more firmness in those tissues so that they start to feel like you're you're not sinking right through your six pack muscles. So, you know, getting, getting some guidance around like what your body needs to, to do that effectively, but doing some deep core retraining, 
uh, that sort of thing. Um, those muscles get so stretched during your pregnancy. So it's really important to kind of just tighten them up again and get them a little bit stronger. Um, I think that's something that people can pay attention to a little bit. Um, and then I think just another big thing is like, don't just accept that certain things like bladder leakage are just a normal part of being a mom. Like I still hear that narrative constantly and just know that it's really something super treatable and it's super like conservative to treat. Like if you were told that you wouldn't have to pee for the rest of your life, um, when you didn't want to be peeing, like leaking just by doing some like exercises. Like, I think a lot of people would do that because it's free. It's like, like, it's just, there's a lot of benefits to doing that. So don't accept those issues. Ask for help. Like when you are drowning in the postpartum world and you're trying to just navigate, like keeping another human alive and stuff, it's hard not to prioritize your, it's hard to prioritize yourself, but don't let appointments go by where you don't talk about your own issues if you're having them. And like, bring those up to your family doctor, get the referral to a pelvic floor physio. Chances are anything in that pelvic region that you have concerns about will probably have some answers or be able to at least direct you in the right area. So don't let that go on and, and make sure that you not only are thinking about that present moment, but like the future implications of, of not keeping those muscles fit and strong and how menopause down the road can manifest and, and worsen a lot of those problems. And I think like being as informed as you can going into the process. Cause I think a lot of people don't realize some of the womanly things that can be going on after. And I've had patients who said, you know, if I had known, I maybe wouldn't have had another child or it's important to be informed of both the benefits and the risks. And that's the whole point of informed consent. And, and we do that for medical procedures, but we should also be taking that into consideration with bringing life into the world too. So um, yeah, talk to someone. I'm not saying that to scare people, but just to make sure that you, you are prepared because the number of people I get in my office who are like, why did no one tell me that this could happen? Why did no one tell me that my bladder could be sit, sitting low and I feel a bulge? Why did no one tell me that I could have this pelvic pain? Why didn't like, I just hear that narrative all the time. And I want people to feel like they are making a truly informed decision with all aspects of their body and especially around labor and delivery interventions and that sort of thing that can put them at higher risk of issues. Perfect. I think that's a great way to close it out. So thank you, first of all, and thank you on behalf of everyone that's been listening because I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Um, Kelsey has a really cool course that she's going to tell you about and not be modest about and you should go take it. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, myself and Jamie Straker, um, she has an online fitness program. And so she's a pre and postnatal fitness specialist. Um, I am a pelvic health physio. Um, we put together a four week kind of comprehensive course about um, it's a birth prep course. So it's how to kind of prepare for labor delivery postpartum. Um, so the first week is kind of all about the physiology of birth. And, um, we talk a lot about exercise, um, the guidelines, that sort of thing. The second week is how to protect your pelvic floor. Um, so how can we reduce your risk of things like bladder leakage, uh, tearing those muscles during delivery? Um, we talk about, uh, like prolapse, um, for sure. Um, reducing your risk of a C-section, that sort of stuff. 
Um, the third week, we talk about pain management. So things that you can do um, that are non, like basically non-pharmaceutical ways of or non-medical ways of managing your pain, um, or at least comfort measures, I should say, rather than managing your pain. Um, and then the final week is kind of all about postpartum and uh, what to expect for postpartum, um, how your body might change postpartum, um, how to facilitate the best recovery possible for yourself um, and be in the best mental space and everything. We have a lot of really great guests on um, on our course. So we have a registered dietitian, we have a clinical psychologist, um, we have a lactation consultant, we have a, a doula, um, we have all sorts of wonderful healthcare providers that we've interviewed just to try and um, get all of the information that is outside of our scope of practice and make sure that people feel really informed and, and know kind of areas that they want to spend more time focusing on leading up to their birth. Um, so yeah, so we've recently switched the course to be completely autonomous, meaning um, you can do it all up on your at your own pace. Um, if you have any questions, Jamie and I are available. But yeah, that is our course. Perfect. Go take the course. I, I think Katie's <laughs> enrolled for the next iteration or whatever it is. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, do you do the social medias for those that you want I do. to yes. get followers from? I reluctantly got on Instagram and you've been killing <laughs> it. It's your page is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I I have learned to like it, um, and it's a really good way to reach a broader audience about what my main mission was, why I, why I started to get into this profession, and to inform more people about their bodies. And I feel like a lot of people have learned about their bodies that way. So, and that's how we gain a lot of information these days. So, if you're not on Instagram, then how are people are getting information from someone who's not as credible maybe <laughs> there's a bunch um, of crap out there there's real, a bunch of real bad information yeah. especially on instagram especially on tiktok tiktoks works apparently but oh, yeah. instagram is you know, pretty bad too sometimes. it's all bad um so yes i am on instagram um my handle is that what it's called yeah, um so. is called kelsey valentine pt i'll pop it in the the show notes and all those funny text places below too um <laughs> perfect well, this has been awesome. We really appreciate you taking the time and uh, educating us because we need it. Um, if people want to reach out directly, because I know you do, I believe you do remote consults and stuff. Yeah. For anyone in Ontario, Ontario. I in can't Ontario. see people out of the province. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'll just follow the Instagram page. So if they want to get a hold of you and uh, get some help, how, how would they go about that? Yeah. Um, Instagram's a good way. Um, for sure. Um, you could also email me. Um, I have a couple emails, but I will give, uh, let's give it this one. So there's Kelsey at, sorry, Kelsey.Valentine at the womb.ca. So that's the W O M B.ca. We'll put that in the show notes too, for all of you <laughs> guys that are freaking out. Beautiful. Okay. Awesome. Well, Thanks thank so you much, so much for having me. This was really nice to be able to just chat about these things that I love chatting about. And I love this uh, format. Nice to see you again. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely get you back on. We'll talk about more about the incontinent stuff and the delivery and yeah, all kinds of stuff. All the fun stuff. Awesome. <laughs> thanks, Kelsey. All right, Jordan. And thanks. Thanks for everybody. It's uh that's shared this with us. If you made this far, well done. Points to yeah. you and uh, can't wait to see you next time.